Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week we looked at Luke chapter 2, where it explains to us the environment in which Jesus was born. Jesus was born in a stable. Jesus made an entrance into this world surrounded by smelly animals, their food, and even their waste. And I, and I told you that the stable, like my heart, was dirty, dark, defiled, and unworthy of divine royalty. But of all the places for Christ to be born, he chose a stable. And of all the places for Christ to reside, he chooses my heart, your heart. Of all the places for him to live, he says, I choose your heart. The Christmas story, it wasn't neat, it wasn't tidy. It was very messy and transparent. And I'm glad that it was because it gives someone like me a chance because I know my heart. I know what it's capable of. But yet he chooses to love me and he chooses to live within me. This is such a busy time of year. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of holiday activities and, and forget the true meaning of Christmas. I mean, there's shopping that has to be done. How many of you still have more shopping that has to be done? Raise your hand high. How many of you have not even started yet? How many of you have all of your Christmas shopping complete? Raise your hand. Leave your hand up. Leave your hand up. Leave it, leave it high. If you're sitting next to these people, I want you to kick them hard in the shin because we can't stand these people. We don't like them. Still shopping that has to be done. There's last minute things to finish up at work around the office so that you can have a day off or maybe a couple of days or, or maybe some time off from work. There's parties to attend. Uh, Mandy and I, just this week, we attended two Christmas parties already. And if my calculations are correct, we still have about six more parties to attend. And so it's busy, busy for us. And, and, and around a church, I know people don't always understand this, but for a church staff, life is busy during the, the, the month and the months leading up to Christmas. And I'm telling you, this month is one of the busiest seasons for us as a church staff. Your, your church staff, they are, they are burning the candle at both ends. They are just trying to get through this season and to make it as meaningful as possible for, for all of you. And so it's busy. Life just gets busy, and we're no exception. Your life gets busy around the holidays. But there's this moment that I cherish on Christmas morning. It's not the moment that we get to wake up and open up presents. I actually don't like that moment that much. My, my in-laws, they stay at our house every Christmas Eve. And, um, <laughs> and somewhere between 5 and, I don't know, 5.30 or so, they start stirring about and, and, and they lock the, my kids, you know, our twins are 19 years old now and I'm sure this will happen again this year. They kind of lock them in their rooms, won't let them out. And, and then at the right moment when, when my mother-in-law has the video camera going and, and they allow them to walk out of the room to see what Santa brought, you know, for Christmas and that kind of thing. And, and, and so, and then we open up gifts from, from all the family, you know, from, you know, from me to you, you to me and that kind of stuff. And we sit there and it would go so much faster if they would do it my way, the way I was raised 
parties where you just pass them all out and everybody opens at the same time. But no, not my wife's family. They want to watch each individual person open up that gift and, you know, all eyes on you. And I'm like, why? Why do we do this? You know, but it doesn't take that long. And usually somewhere, I would say around seven o'clock, probably we, uh, we, we eat breakfast together. They, Mandy and her, her dad, they jump in the kitchen, they start cooking and, and, uh, they fill the whole house up with fried foods. And, and, um, and, and so we start eating. And, and then once we, we, we finish eating, my in-laws finally leave. I mean, my in-laws leave, um, because they've got another grandchild that they're going to go um, watch and this year I hear it's ch- it's changing and they're staying at my house longer. Y'all pray for me, but um, it's and so they they leave and then it's just me and it's my wife and and my twins and and we're sitting there and um, I, I turn the Christmas story that plays all day long on TBS. I, I it, we just pick it up wherever it's at and we just start watching the Christmas story and there's open gifts in the corner. You know, Caleb's are over here, Kendall's are over here, and uh, and, and we just we just start relaxing a little bit and this becomes my favorite moment of the season it really is because within 30 minutes we're just sitting around Caleb's on one couch he's covered with his blanket Mandy's on one couch she's covered with her blanket I'm in my chair covered in a blanket and my my miniature Dotson sitting in my lap and Kendall's on the floor covered in a blanket shivering because we don't love her that much and <laughs> and and we're just, we're just all there together. And that's when I find peace on earth. Just in that moment, it's just us. It's peace on earth. It's quiet. We're relaxed. And I just look around the room and I just find that moment for me. It's probably my favorite moment of the holiday season. Just to be there in that moment because as soon as it ends, it's back to the grind. Life is busy. We get back to our schedules being full, the chaos, the busyness, and the peace is now gone. And today, I want us all to find some peace of mind during this holiday season. And so I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading at verse 8. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. One of my favorite songs for Christmas that really captures the moment for me is the song Silent Night. When I hear the song Silent Night, there's something about it that is just intriguing to me. And it, it almost puts me in that moment of, of the first Christmas. Uh, uh, it's something about singing that song that, that I can picture myself in that stable, kneeling next to a manger, if you will. And, and it just 
captures that moment for me. And probably most of you in the room know it. Let's sing that, that, that first verse there. Would you sing it with me? Silent night. Come on. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child holy infant so tender and mild sleep in heavenly peace come on end it strong sleep in heavenly peace for some of you, that's the first Christmas carol you've sang this year. Silent night. I don't even know what a round yon virgin is, but I <laughs> still, I love it. I love the song for some. Well, to be in Bethlehem, that first Christmas, to be in that stable, that night, can you imagine the peace that surrounded baby Jesus? I don't know about you, but I want that stable mind. That mind frame and that moment, I want that with me throughout the year. I, I'm not just satisfied with, with singing a verse and, and, and us just feeling that moment, but I want that stable mind throughout the year. Last week, I gave you the definition for the word stable as a noun. You know, that place where animals hang out, that's stable. But today, I want to give you the definition as an adjective. Here's what it means. Stable. Firmly established, not changing or fluctuating, steady in purpose, firm in resolution, lasting or permanent. Let me read it to you again because I want this to really be established for us today. It means firmly established, not changing or fluctuating, steady in purpose, firm in resolution, lasting or permanent, stable. We use this adjective to describe certain situations in a positive way. Like a stable environment. If a child is being raised in a stable environment, that is a good thing for that child. We talk about a stable economy, and trust me, we would much rather it be a stable economy than an unstable economy. We talk about people being financially stable. That means they can meet their, their bills. They can pay their bills. Uh, we talk about a stable relationship. Uh, we talk about stable condition. If someone is in a hospital and in stable condition, that means that they're better than the, the downward decline that they were facing. Uh, if someone has a stable influence in their life, that's a good thing. That's a positive influence on their life. And we all want people around us that are emotionally stable. Have you ever met someone who was emotionally unstable don't point to them right now it makes it very awkward in this room but you know what I'm talking about we want people who are emotionally stable and what we need more than anything else this Christmas is a stable mind that's what we need we need a stable 
mind. Because church, I'm convinced that we speak volumes to the world, that we share the good news of Jesus when we do have a stable mind. And there's far too many Christians that we are allowing the enemy to mess with our mind and to cause an unstable mind. And our two-sided, a double-minded man, it says you're unstable in all of your ways is what the word says. I don't want to be unstable in all of my ways. I want a stable mind. And so I want God to recreate my mind in me because this Christmas, I want to know that Christ is Lord and that he's got my situations covered. Calvin Coolidge once said, Christmas is not a time or a season, but a state of mind. In other words, Christmas can be year round if your mind is right. If your mind is in the right place, you can have the Christmas spirit year round if this is working correctly. And, and so many times we allow the enemy of our souls to steal our Christmas joy before Christmas even begins. To keep a stable mind, you've got to have the peace of God. It's the only way that you will have a stable mind is to find the peace of God in your life. Verse 14 of our text today says, The angels proclaim to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace on earth. About 700 years before the birth of Christ, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And he was predicting, prophesying about the coming Messiah, the one who would redeem Israel. And as he tells prophetically about this individual, this, this Messiah that would come, here's what he wrote in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He calls him the prince of peace, that when he comes, he is the prince of peace. Right before his death, right before the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus said in John 14 and verse 27, he said, I am leaving you with a gift. He tells his disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. He says, listen, I've got to go. I'm about to go back to the Father. I'm going back to my heavenly throne. But before I go, I'm leaving you a gift and you will have peace of mind, which is what we're talking about today, and peace of heart, which is what we talked about last week. And he says, then that this gift that I give you, you cannot get this gift from the world. You see, the world does not give you peace. And so many people keep looking to the world for peace, but the world is never going to give you the peace that you desire. So why? Why do we keep running to the world for that? We keep running in, in the wrong direction, trying to find peace, and the only one that can give us the peace that we need is the Prince of Peace. And that's why Jesus came, to bring us that peace his birth was supposed to bring peace on earth. And my question is this, what happened? What happened? 
I mean, let's be honest. I don't want you to give me that religious answer that you think that I want you to give. No, I want you to be honest today. And let me ask you this. Do you have peace on your earth? In your world, do you have peace right now? In your little part of the universe that surrounds you, is there peace on earth? And for most of us in the room, the answer is no. We have troubles, heartache, hardships. It's not going our way. Therefore, we don't have peace on earth, not in our little world. We do not have peace. So today, very quickly, I want to talk to you about three types of peace that you need in your life. And if these three things are active in your life, then you are truly at peace. They are eternal peace, internal peace, and external peace. Eternal peace, internal peace, and external peace. Let me talk to you just for a moment about eternal peace. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because of anything you did. It's what Jesus did. And because you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the scripture says you have eternal peace. The most hopeless people on this planet are those that do not have eternal peace. They're hopeless. And when you are hopeless, you struggle through life. I remember this one Sunday morning, it's, it's probably been about 15 years ago. I was in my church office in Tampa and our church, it, 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 it said right off of the interstate, right off 275, there was only uh, an access road that, that separated our church property from the interstate. And so everybody between Fowler Avenue and Bush would pass right by our church. And, and what I would do is on Sunday mornings, I would, I would play keyboard or I would play the drums. And when my pastor took the pulpit, I would, I would leave. And usually I would go and teach a class, but I had somebody covering that class that day. And, and so I would leave first service, go over to our, our, our family life center and but this time I wasn't teaching so I went into my office and I'm sitting there at my desk when, when one of our ushers comes rushing in in a panic and, and, and says Pastor Rocky you got to come quickly and, and they put me in a car and they take me down that access road running parallel with the interstate for, for two or three blocks and, and there was an overpass the interstate passed over um, Bougainvillea Drive that went under a little two lane road that went under and the pass was probably about as high as this ceiling right there and, and I get out of the car and I look and there's this lady standing on the ledge and she's holding on to, to the railing behind her and I look up and I'm like oh man you know this is one of those moments that just, just messes up any plans that you have I mean your schedule comes to a halt when you see somebody about to jump off of a bridge and so she's up there and, and I just looked at her and I said Ma'am, it's not worth it 
Whatever you're trying to run from, whatever you're trying to accomplish, it's not worth it. And she looked at me with these eyes. I'll never forget her eyes. I mean, she gave me a look like, I hate you. I never met her before. I hate you is the look she gave me. Long, black, stringy hair. Almost demonic looking. And she's holding there and she just stares through me. And everything I would say, ma'am, Jesus loves you. She just stared. And I, wasn't, I was not getting through to her. And, and there was a uh, um, highway patrolman on each side. And they're trying to close in on her. And the closer they get, the, the closer she would get to going off. And so they were having to stay off on the sides. And, 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 and finally, finally, it just hit me. Ma'am, if you're really wanting to kill yourself, this is not the way. All you're going to do is break your legs and maybe, maybe a rib or two, but it's not going to accomplish what you want to. And the woman's demeanor changed. She went, she put one leg back over the railing, and at that moment, the state troopers moved in. They grabbed her, put her in a car, and took her off. And I was like, eh. Man, we avoided that one, you know, thank God. <laughs> Two casts, that was going to be the extent of it. But, but a few weeks later, it was about this time of year that it happened. A few weeks later after the first of the year, I'm sitting in my office. And they said, someone's here to see you. So I come walking down the hall towards the reception area. And I walk in and this woman is standing there, but she looks completely different. Her hair is washed. Her eyes look different. Her demeanor is completely different. And I invite her down to my office and she sat down in my office and I kept the door open in case she tries to kill me or anything. <laughs> and I began talking with her. She said, you showed me something that day. There was something in you. And I need to know what that love is. And sitting in my office, I was able to share the love of Jesus Christ with this woman and lead her in a prayer to accept Christ. As her Lord and Savior. She was hopeless. Standing on that bridge, hopeless, ready to end her life or break a leg. She was hopeless. Let me tell you something about this time of year. This time of year, we see suicide rates skyrocket. The most joyous time of the year is not the most joyous time of the year for everybody. There's people out there that they've lost hope because they don't have Jesus Christ. And when you don't have Jesus Christ, you are an, a hopeless individual. And even in this room today, you may not be suicidal. But if you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you don't have that eternal peace that I'm speaking of. John 16 and 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He never told us we were not going to go through any problems. He warned us, you're going to have troubles, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart because I've overcome this world. Whatever you are going through, he has overcome that. He is big enough to overcome whatever it is that you are facing. And I've quoted him before. I'll say it again. My dad had said this for years. But Jack McKinley always said, God's bigger than what's the matter. 
And I know that. My God is bigger than whatever it is that you're going through. One day we will all rest in peace. It's appointed unto man once to die. If you truly want to rest in peace, then find eternal peace through Jesus Christ. Which leads me to internal peace. Colossians 3 and 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word peace appears over 400 times in Scripture. In the Old Testament, peace is the word shalom. And it's a state of wholeness or harmony. The New Testament use of the word peace remains firmly based in the Hebrew traditions of shalom. Way too many men and women, they don't have that shalom, peace of God in their hearts because they're not content with who they are, who God made them. They're not happy with their lives. They're not happy with what they have. They're not happy with who they've become. And so they don't have that peace in their life. If we stop trying to live our lives like what we see on social media, we will be so much better off. Listen to me. Stop comparing their best to your worst. Most people in their right mind, they don't put all their negativity out there. There are some that do. Remember what I said. People in their right mind. I'm just going to look down because this gets very uncomfortable <laughs> if I make eye contact with those that do. People in their right mind, they put what they want you to, to celebrate in their life. They put the, the, the pictures of their house when it's all clean and everything's in place. They, they put pictures of the accomplishments that their kids ha, ha, have made in their lives. And very seldom does someone put out their, the, the failings of their kids. And I get it. I understand that. But you've got to stop comparing their best to your worst because you know your worst. You know what you're facing. You know what you're going through in life. And it is never going to compare to what they're putting out there on social media. It's never going to line up with it. It's never going to be appetizing when you look at their best, your worst. It's never going to look right to you. One thing I appreciate about the shepherds is that they didn't allow their socioeconomic status to keep them from going to Christ. See, so that's the one thing we need to remember is that at the cross, it's level ground. There's no one person that's more important than the next. Just because I've been a pastor for, for nearly 20 years, it, it, it doesn't mean that God loves me more than he loves you. God doesn't love the Pope any more than he loves you. He didn't love uh, 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 anyone, Billy Graham or, or, or anyone that, that would be great in the kingdom of God in our eyes. He doesn't love them more than he loves you. And the shepherds didn't allow who they were to keep them from going to Christ. They were rough guys. Looked down upon in society. Certainly not the ones I would have chose to tell about the birth of Jesus Christ to for them to make known to the world. No. But they didn't let it keep them from going to Christ. They didn't let their past keep them from going to see Jesus. And there in his presence, they were perfectly at peace. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You see, what's happening inside of me 
internally. It, it, it can only happen through the grace of God in my life. Because I can tell you, when I look at me, when I look at my past, when I look at the things that I've done and the ways I've sinned against God, I should never be the one standing here presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he's done something inside of me internally. He's done something inside of me. Philippians 4 and 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There it is again. Last week we talked about the heart. This week we talk about the mind. And it says that both are guarded by the peace of God. Guarded by the peace of God. I've got to have the peace of God in order to keep my mind and my heart right with God. And finally external peace. Romans 12 and 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me read that again because I, I want you to really, really get this. He writes, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. I'm going to go ahead and say what you're thinking. Easier said than done, Paul. Easier said than done. Because, Paul, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they've done to me or what I've done to them. You don't know my crazy Uncle Larry, do you, Paul? Because it's hard to live at peace with that man. You don't know my boss, Paul. You don't know that woman that God gave me. You don't know how hard it is to live with that woman. You don't know my husband. You don't know my children. You don't know how hard it is for me to live at peace with everyone. But, but here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've noticed in my relationships, whether it be with my immediate family, extended family, friends, acquaintances, even the cashier down at the supermarket. Here's what I've noticed. The farther I am away from God, the less at peace I am in those relationships. The closer I am to God, the more at peace I am in those relationships. When I step away from God, put any distance between me and him, the farther I am away from him, my relationships will struggle. They'll struggle with my wife, struggle with my kids. I, I, I don't even treat people in retail the way they need to be treated when I'm farther away from God. But man, when I'm closer to God, my relationships thrive. When I'm closer to God, there is a peace that passes through me. It doesn't take a fool to realize that as a society, we have pushed farther and farther away from God. And that's why we are constantly at war with each other. You want to know why it's such a mess right now? It's because we are so far from God as a society. Political wars racial wars, power struggle wars on the job, domestic wars in our own homes. The only way 
that you put an end to those wars is if you find the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's what the scripture says. The peace of God that passes all understanding. What happens with that means I don't have to agree with you to live at peace with you. You don't have to see it my way in order for us to live at peace with one another. The peace of God that passes all understanding. We may not understand each other. Me and my wife, we may not always understand each other, but it's the peace of God in us that keeps us married. answer is just Jesus. He brings peace. He's the prince of peace. The angels announced it to the shepherds. He was going to fill the earth with peace. Rather than give others a piece of your mind, maybe you need to find a way to have peace in your mind. Peace on earth, it doesn't begin worldwide. It doesn't begin in a certain country. Peace on earth doesn't begin in a state or a particular region. It doesn't begin in a county or in a city. It doesn't begin in a, in a certain neighborhood or even in a certain home. Peace on earth begins in one person, me. One person, you. And if everybody in that home is looking for peace on earth and asking Jesus, surround us with your peace. That external peace just flows. World War I was one of the deadliest conflicts in human history. It's estimated that more than 21 million people were wounded and over 9 million soldiers were killed. Civilian casualties alone were close to 10 million. For over four years, soldiers on both sides fought for what they believed in, right or wrong. And it cost many their lives. Something interesting happened on December the 7th, 1914. Pope Benedict the 15th suggested a temporary hiatus of the war for the celebration of Christmas. Unfortunately, the warring countries refused to create any official ceasefire. But for some reason, there were soldiers on the front line that it affected them. And so right around Christmas, the soldiers in the trenches, they declared their own unofficial truce. The sounds of rifles firing and shells exploding faded along a number of places along the Western Front in favor of holiday celebrations in the tr trenches and gestures of goodwill between enemies. Starting on Christmas Eve, there were many German and British troops that they began singing Christmas carols from their trenches across the battlefield to each other, each in their own language. And something crazy happened. Some German soldiers got up out of the trench and they began to walk across that battlefield 
At first, the Allied soldiers, they thought it was some kind of trick that they were playing. And so they all pulled their guns ready to fire. But, but then they noticed that they were unarmed. And so some of the Allied soldiers got up and went and met them in the middle of the battlefield. They presented gifts to each other. Chocolate, cigarettes, pudding. Before you knew it, soldiers were coming out of the trenches. There's actually a documented report that says that they played a, a friendly game of soccer. And for just a few hours, the war was set aside as these men celebrated Christmas on a battlefield. How did it start? One man suggested a temporary ceasefire in celebration of Christ. Can I be so bold as to make a suggestion to you? During this holiday season, initiate a ceasefire from your busyness, from your differences. Initiate a ceasefire from your own wars just so you can celebrate Jesus, the Prince of Peace. There's so many of us that we just miss out on the true meaning of Christmas, which is peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's why Jesus came. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.